Hey everybody, welcome to episode 34 of the Harmonics Podcast. Ooh la la. It's a new year and uh, new things have happened. Already? We, so many yeah. new things. Yeah. What? Well, the big thing is that you got a haircut. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. big. Yeah, you mm-hmm. don't have like a beard. Trim, but uh, no, uh, we uh, we mm-hmm. have officially been uh, sold from Viacom to a company called Abstergo Industries. Abstergo. This is Assassin's Creed joke. If anyone <laughs> play that yeah, game, good one, good one. They are Templars. Yep. Uh, but no, uh, Columbus Nova is the name of our new uh, overlords. Sounds more mm-hmm. like. Um, we're excited about working with them. It should be a really interesting change of pace for us. I don't see them so much as overlords, as benevolent masters. Yeah. I feel like that fits more the sort of indie thing. I have no opinion either way. Yeah. Benevolent Smart. patriarchy. Benevolent patriarchs. How about an oligarchy? I think it's more of an oligarchy. Oligarchy? Yeah. That's a good word. Good. Speaking of that, didn't you go to the Olive Garden recently? Me? Why would I? I have thought you ever tweeted about the, the Olive, Olive Garden, Garden. <laughs> the Olive Garkery. Yeah, an Olive Garkery. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm going for. No. no, someone was tweeting about the Olive Garden this weekend, and uh, and was not me. Right, I thought it was you for some reason. Breadsticks. It was. It was about a bottomless Soup salad, salad and breadsticks. Yeah. There's no other reason to talk about the Olive Garden. <laughs> there is. This Sorry, podcast brought to you by the Olive Garden. Brought to you by any restaurant but the Olive Garden. <laughs> yeah. Am I doing a good job with the bassy voice thing? Yeah, ask Nick. <laughs> Nick. The knob I... diddler. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Nick. You are forever the diddler to us. The diddler. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't in support of it, but now it's stuck. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a new year. We're we're an independent studio now. Um, we are masters of our own domain, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's exciting. That means we can do whatever we want now. You can right. do we're what be you like want. Swearing all the time on the podcast. We probably could throwing actually. stuff. We probably could. Probably could. I was about to say a bunch of words that start with F just to have Nick bleep them out. Fractulate. Whoa! Yikes. Butthead. <laughs> Dill hole. Duh. Personal Butt favorite. Much. Dill hole's gross. Yeah. Ass hattery. We did have some uh, delicious salmon yesterday, which with was dill. peppered with dill. Yeah. Dill peppered, but not dill, dill hold. Yeah, not, not dill hold. I would I wouldn't, not eat a dill hold salmon. I wouldn't recommend you eat a dill hold salmon. Feel That's because like, you're vegan. Yeah. Well, for many reasons. Do they, they make a vegan salmon? Uh... It was a weird question. There's all sorts of weird. We all fake thought about it for a minute, and we were like, what? "There's all sorts of weird fake meat." Super eighty eight has fake snakehead fish that's Ugh, vegetarian what? in cans. What? I've I I'm not really a fake meat person. I'm Ooh. I don't like the taste of meat. So, so. Super eighty eight is a food company. Like it's frozen, a like oh no! It's you've never been there. It's no. the really cool like gigantic um, Asian specialty grocery store and restaurant like in food court where? in Alston. Alston, Massachusetts. It's, it's pretty mm. fabulous. No. It has amazing mm. things. Hmm. Yeah. I like to shop there, but it, ha- it has on the shelves all sorts of variety of interesting foamy Snakehead fish? Products. Yeah. Barf. Like fake snakehead fish. Ugh. No, well, thank you. Glad I brought that up. Someone oh, bring you know that what? to PAX East, please. For, while we're on the subject of food... Uh, so we were talking yesterday about how the loaf is the grossest oh. shape oh, for yeah. food. Uh, it is just yeah. it is you don't want it a loaf is not appetizing. Like a bread loaf is okay, but like loaf of meat loaves loaf of for whatever cheese. reason like plural like loaves <laughs> sounds much more appealing than a loaf. Like I just a singular. yeah. It sounds terrible. It doesn't it doesn't conjure up a yeah. pleasant image. Loaf. 
So so I, I uh, tweeted that, and Brad Shoemaker from Giant Bomb yeah, responded I, that. I saw, and you didn't give me any credit. No, was a conversation no, no, no. That... Nope, that's what I do. Oh. That's why I'm the best. <laughs> um, Brad Shoemaker from Giant Bomb responded that he was making uh, meatloaf muffins that very night for that very reason. Mm. Which I've never heard of in my life, but that it is, sounds awesome. That, that is fractalating good. gross. <laughs> Seeing the fact that it's a muffin makes it sound more appealing. Yeah, than just to like a muffin loaf. is an adorable word. Yeah. Uh, do you think that they used uh, like the paper cups, or they just did like? If if meat's involved, it's probably oily enough that you don't need to put a wrapper yeah, on yeah. it. Wow! I just slap it in there. Try probably. to get him for a guest on the show. Brad Shoemaker. Talk about it. He has a deep bassy voice. Speaking of bassy voices. Does he really, or does he always just like lean really close? to No, he does. I met him in person. I'm not Brad. I'm Brad Shoemaker. But he doesn't. He talks. Doesn't he like have? He's like Tom Brokaw. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think my Brokaw and my Shoemaker are pretty similar? Do you think he'll want to be our guest after hearing the impression you just did of him? Do do those guys? Do the giant bomb guys listen to our podcast? No. No, but no, we all we all listen. Jerks. We all listen to the Bombcast. All they want to do is promote their podcast and talk about how good their pro- podcast is. But the then, Giant Bombcast, right? On GiantBomb.com. <laughs> what about the Giant Bombcast? It's uh, maybe one of the number one video game podcasts in the land. <laughs> maybe they should put that review on their site. <laughs> it's maybe one of the number one podcasts in the My land. My favorite thing that I've heard it summarized as from our friend uh, Colin, who is the former uh, community manager at Irrational. <laughs> um, <laughs> they were doing a panel at PAX, and I said, oh, you going to the Giant Bomb panel? I was like, I don't need to go to their learn how to make fart noises panel. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, we went to that panel, and they spent a good three minutes in the middle of it making fart noises. <laughs> so he was not wrong. Well, I hope that that's where your friendship with Colin from Irrational ended. Yeah, it was. Because <laughs> I don't <laughs> want to be friends with anybody that doesn't want to go to a how to make a fart noise Maybe panel. he's just already really good at it. Well, maybe. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But he'd, he'd have to call up and, and tell us. Yeah, Colin, I know you listen to our podcast. Does he so, really? Yeah. Hey, Colin. Shout out. Call up what? and make a fart noise for us. Do we do we still have the uh, the, the mailbox where people can call in and, yeah, and no, do stuff? Yeah, we, we do. Need to start promoting that again. Yeah, HMX.mailbox on Skype, guys. Drop us some voicemails. Make them funny. And Spoofy add fart and noises Spoofy to them. And goofy. <laughs> Speaking uh, of that, lol hags have been taken off since we last podcasted. Oh. Laugh out loud. Have a great summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John Pardo, uh, lol hag in general. Lol hag in chief? Yeah, let's say lol hag in chief. <laughs> Uh, he's he's blowing up, blowing up. He's the next true American dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kingmakers. Yeah, yeah. I enjoy how we how we elevate our colleagues and friends. I like to right. think it's one hundred percent. Before us, he was yep. not a diddler. He's he's just a guy <laughs> with a beard. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. Uh, today, full disclosure, until a few hours ago, we were supposed to have our art director Ryan Lesser as a guest. He's a fascinating fellow who looks like a Viking. A really interesting guy. Yeah, he's uh, had a ton of history, and uh, we are going to reschedule him so we can talk to him. Uh, or we'll just get someone else to do a, like do the interview as Ryan Lesser. A really good Lesser impressor. <laughs> She's been cooking that up. That <laughs> no, I just thought of it. I just thought of it. I just thought of it. Oh, man. Genius yes. over here. Base voice. Um, so, so who'd you who'd you get? Because Ryan Lesser canceled. So, so as a replacement, I said, "Hey, Aaron, you want to come on the podcast?" <laughs> That's a terrible. He plan. said, "Yeah, sure," but you thought you were joking, but I did. we made you do it. Yeah, and um, here I am. But we came up with a topic that I think is uh, a valid uh, mm-hmm. harmonics music systems podcast topic. Uh, Aaron uh, Trites, HMX Henry, as you might know him, is an avid 
one would say maybe obsessive I listener, so. appreciator, and participator in the world of hardcore music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say that. Hardcore enthusiast. An that's enthusiast. A, that's what I would hardcore have said. Enthusiast. Is that how Henry Rollins... Yeah, that's, that's probably what he would what Hardcore he would say. Enthusiast. When probably, is he coming on the podcast? Oh man, uh, next. I time. would I would cut my arm off. Uh, he would hate us for an opportunity. He would hate us so much to have Henry Rollins on the podcast. I think he'd want to hold I think, hands. I think the idea that we make a video game where you play music, I think he would hate that. I don't. I know. think he'd want to give me a hug. Mm. I don't know. I think that he would probably appreciate the fact that we're so involved with fans and the community in general, I think that would appeal to him because mm-hmm. he is very much a man of the people. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's always, talk about Henry I've Rollins. i said that about Henry Why are we Rollins? talking about Henry Rollins? Um, I met Henry Rollins. Um, I went to see a Rollins band show. I was like 16 or something and uh, and was like just discovering like a lot of punk and hardcore stuff and went and saw Henry Rollins uh, uh, at the Avalon, I think, um, uh, club in Boston and waited outside after the show, like, in the rain. It was, it was like, midnight, and it was disgusting, and I shouldn't have been in the city at all. Um, and, uh, and I waited outside this tour bus for a chance to meet Henry Rollins, um, and there were, like, all these maniacs, like, absolutely crazy people, like, 40-year-old guys in, like, old black flag T-shirts, and they'd be, like, yelling at him, like, asking about Ian Mackay and, like, crazy stuff. Um, and, uh, and so he kind of, like, he comes out, and he, like, goes down the line, and he's, like, saying hello to people and, like, signing autographs and stuff. And I was, like, completely dumbstruck, and I just, like, held my ticket out for him to, like, held the ticket and the, the Sharpie out for, for him to sign, and, uh, and he just kind of, like, looked down at it, and he held his hand out for me to shake instead, and I was like, oh, uh, oh, okay, and it was like, I don't even remember if he said anything, but I thought that that was, like, such a really cool gesture that he could have just, like, just signed it and gone on his way, but it wasn't, like, it wasn't about that, right. like, it was about, like... Getting a getting a chance mm-hmm. to meet somebody. So Henry Rollins, I appreciate that. Thanks, uh, Hank. Uh, we're on Whoa, the subject are... of him because uh, <laughs> we're, we're pretty tight. He was in a band called Black Flag. Black Flag is one of the uh, banner name bands in the, mm-hmm. the the world of hardcore music. Right, that's true. Did you know he was in a band before Black Flag? What were they called? Uh, he was in a band called SOA, State of Alert. Mm-hmm. Um, they were uh, an early DC hardcore band. Um, and it was him and I think one of the guys from the Teen Idols, um, and they were, uh, they were a band that, um, members would later go on to be in Minor Threat, another banner hardcore band. Was he in that band with Ian MacKay? Uh, no, he was not. But he grew up with Ian MacKay. But he grew up with Ian MacKay, yeah. Who Um, was in Minor Threat. Yeah, back when he was Henry Garfield. Henry Garfield? Henry Garfield, that's right. Um, he and Ian MacKay worked at a Haagen-Dazs together outside (laughs) D.C., um, oh, can you imagine if that was nowadays? It would be a Cold Stone Creamery, and they would have to sing every time uh, someone gives yeah. them a tip. Oh my God! Are you sure it was a Cold Stone Creamery and not an happy, ice happy marble slab, happy, happy. slab creamery? Icery. <laughs> Ice. <laughs> I do enjoy an iced cream. Um, yeah, so they worked at this Hagen uh outside DC together, um, and uh, and they like started goofing around, and like a bunch of those guys started forming bands and. This was like 80, 81, um, like just as like punk was starting to like evolve into hardcore stuff. Um, and, uh, and then Ian went on and did Minor Threat and, mm-hmm. and Henry was like, oh man, that's so cool. Like I want to be in a band. So he, um, he put uh, SOA together and I think they only put out one seven inch. Maybe there's like a few other oddball tracks floating around. Um, but, uh, 
But it was at that point that he started seeing Black Flag for the first time and was so blown away by them, like went to as many shows as he could in like the, the D.C. and uh, in New York area would take the train to, to New York. Um, and they were at the time looking for a new singer. And uh, like Henry was going to a bunch of their shows and like had met the guys. And, uh, and so they were like, hey, so um, what do you think about quitting your job at Haagen-Dazs uh, and coming to sing full-time for Black Flag? <laughs> um, and he, like, just on a whim, just packed everything up, left his job, and Ian was like, go, get out of here. You don't want to work at Haagen-Dazs for the rest of your life. Sorry, Haagen-Dazs. Yeah, um, they make good ice cream. They do. I don't like ice cream. Uh, Haagen-Dazs is delicious. They make vegan ice cream, too. <laughs> no, they don't. Um, but yeah, he, uh, Ian encouraged him to, to quit Haagen-Dazs and go and join Black Flag, and ended up going to be the front man for one of the biggest hardcore bands of all time. Mm-hmm. So hard so let's how did hardcore come about cuz like you said punk evolved into hardcore was it just people people's desire to get down to the bare basics or what what happened? I I think it was definitely that that kind of desire to make everything like shorter, faster, louder, like taking a lot of the uh a lot of the the punk foundation, like established by like the Ramones or the Clash, um, and and making it even more direct, um, and like the music started to get a lot more aggressive. Um, bands uh, bands like the Germs were uh, like that kind of first crossover in between punk and hardcore stuff, where it starts getting like super turbocharged and you can listen to like some of the like 76 era punk stuff and it's like super poppy yeah. and like mm-hmm. really fun really kind of cute and bouncy um but then bands like the germs or the weirdos uh or middle class like start doing one minute long songs um and it's not something that you could pogo to uh it's it was like designed for slam dancing they uh, take the glamour out of it Oh yeah, it's it's completely it's completely stripped down. Like it is very much like bare bones punk. Um, and then uh, a lot of bands um, like in LA uh, and DC, those were kind of like the two core cities. A lot of bands started forming, and it was all like young kids, like a lot of sixteen, seventeen year old kids um, started putting these bands together, um, and it was just like so unbelievably aggressive uh and like all all influenced by that original wave of punk but like to the extreme yeah that's what always that's what always appealed to me about punk in general and even more <clears throat> so with hardcore it's like anyone who wanted to be in a band could it wasn't about like yeah. three minute long solos and like technical yeah. drumming it was it was just about getting together or making talent, music even. And, and right no just like here's my message even if you don't want to have a message. You don't have to do that either. But like, totally. just make music, and uh, people would go do it. I think that's really cool, and it's also cool for like teenagers, something they could directly uh, relate to. Whereas, like, I think a lot of teens were at the time were also like into Rush. Yeah, yeah. It's like sort of opposite ends of that spectrum. Yeah, I'm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make any friends by saying that I don't care about Led Zeppelin at all. But it's like. I just can't get into like seven minute long songs about being betwixt the halls of Valhalla and living in Hobbiton. I mean, I can. But but. like a two minute black flag song about having a nervous breakdown or like feeling like you're like out of sorts or Mm -hmm. feeling like you can't do anything right. It's like, I think a lot of, a lot of kids like gravitated towards that and were like, oh my God, like I, I understand what that's like. 
Um, and then like the Henry Rollins thing was like that first Black Flag 7-inch, the Nervous Breakdown 7-inch. Uh, the cover is... Um, is a kid in a corner with his fists balled up and then a guy holding him back with a like a chair held up like he like a lion tamer would hold up a chair <laughs> and uh and and Henry Rollins said that that's that's why he started identifying with Black Flag because he felt like that kid every day of his life like up against a wall like someone was trying to tell him what to do or where to go or how to be and uh, and he came from like a super strict, like military background family and, uh, like ultra conservative DC, uh, kind of ethics. And like, that's, that's a, a pretty common thread for a lot of, uh, a lot of kids, like whether it's, you know, in the cities or in the suburbs, like there's always going to be that kind of like adolescent malaise or angst or just desire for some kind of youthful rebellion. Mm-hmm. Yep. What always fascinated me is the the community aspect of hardcore, um, which is interesting to me because you are the manager of the community team yeah. at Harmonix. Oh, good tie-in. Um, <laughs> I, I was going to tie it in too. Like that was yeah, that was my plan. Yeah, I mean, Allie wasn't, but w- I mean, one no, of us was going to. No, but yeah. I mean, Nick might have jumped in. Yeah, and we hadn't talked about it, but I mean, it was kind of understood. <laughs> um, but it was like bringing down the barrier between the fan and. Uh, and the band, because like I know a lot of them are like basement shows where they're playing on the floor, and the band is—I sur- mean, the mm-hmm. the audience is surrounding them. Yeah. It's not like being up on a stage and on a pedestal. I think that's really cool, and it's uh, it's a genre that's like propagated for almost or about thirty years now, with no mainstream sort of like Backing. popularity. Yeah. Like that's what I think is fascinating about that as a genre. Like it's sort of similar, metal sort of similar in a way. Because there's all these different like subgenres of metal, and like the the fan base is super hardcore, and uh, it's like word of mouth that sort of stuff. Um, I, I just think that's really interesting that 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 it 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 was such a, a cool alternative to what else was out there. Yeah, it's it's like a hundred percent built by community, like there's so many bands that formed because they were friends with other bands and then those guys broke up and it's like super incestuous genre where it's like ex-members of such and such a band or like two guys Mm -hmm. from this group would leave and then meet up with this one other guy um and uh you know bands would go on tour together and then would end up touring together all the time um and it was like random kids that were building labels and they would just put whoever they knew on their labels and everyone would get together and, you know, assemble vinyl together and, uh, you know, hand staple like zines or show flyers, stuff like that. Like it is very much like a do it yourself, like community supported, uh, genre, which is like not the kind of thing that you can really find in, in a lot of other areas of music. Um, like kind of like underground hip hop, like tape trading culture is, is like kind of similar where it's like, very much off the radar but but everything else i mean like you said like even like metal like you could name like 10 huge metal bands that are selling out stadiums no problem but you'd be hard pressed to name you know five hardcore bands that could play to a group of more than a thousand people Mm -hmm. um and many of them will only sell like 500 copies of a seven inch in their entire lifetime um and so it is like very isolated but dependent on the support of your peers and the community. But that's the cool thing is you can sell so few copies of something and then 20 years later, kids are still listening to it and finding it yeah. and, and spreading it with, without necessarily the internet or 
That's MySpace what I was or say. stuff like that. Only now with the internet. I sound like an old man. But only what the internet? Tell um, me about the internet. Are like the more mainstream, like pop or, or rock, trying to do what hardcore's always done with, with mm-hmm. like networking yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, I think that's really interesting. Um, the other thing I think is very interesting is there's something for everyone, kind of. Unless like you just straight up hate loud, fast music. But like, <laughs> I I'm big into like. Someone that has something to say. Like, I love The Clash for that reason. Um, so I always gravitated to the Dead Kennedys. Because, like, yep. talk about something to say. Like, every single mm-hmm. song is a message. And it's in your face. It's not subtle. It's like, here's a message. But it'll be funny. Or it'll be clever. Um, and the music's always really good, too. So, like, I always gravitated to that. And then there's, like, there's the whole straight edge aspect of a lot of the bands yep. that a lot of kids can gravitate to also. Like, grow up with alcoholic parents. You want nothing to do with, like, drinking or drugs. You want... Yeah, or that just sort of lifestyle, and you, you can connect with a whole community of people like you. Yeah, or just wanting to like we we're talking about standing apart from the from the norm. You know, even even high school cult- culture, despite what you're told by your adult peers, you're you're taught that it's part of the normal adolescent experience that you're supposed to do drugs and you're supposed to try alcohol. So it gives kids who aren't into that something to hold on to in a community and a place to belong to. Apart from and that all that, said, there's also the other other side where the bands are like super, like, like yeah, that gangrene album cover <laughs> doing lines yeah. of coke. It's like if you're into that. There's that too. Yeah. Like a super yep. aggressive, like punch you in the face shows. Go to that. It's yeah, cool. I thought it was funny. Um, like you said, you were talking with uh, with Kurt the other day, and Kurt was like, "I don't like Boston hardcore. It's too conservative." <laughs> and it's like, and while that's while that's true on one hand, like a lot of Boston based bands like were like straight edge and or like militantly straight edge mm-hmm. or um, like supporting vegan lifestyle. And um, Slapshot is a, a band that was notorious for like knocking cigarettes out of people's hands or like. <laughs> throwing beer on people um, and uh, and choke the lead singer would like go out into crowds with a hockey stick and like <laughs> like verbally like verbally and physically assault people um, they they were the music incarnation of the, the Paul Newman movie <laughs> of Slapshot yes yeah. um, but uh but like while it's while it's true that there were bands that were very like straight laced like that it's also like ridiculous to think that there could be conservative hardcore. <laughs> um, like there, there really is like a lot, a lot more depth than a lot of people assume. And I, I think like recently, especially um, hardcore kind of like emo has like the, the term has come to be identified with something that's not really what it actually is. Yeah. Um, and so like a lot of bands that are kind of like, getting signed to labels now and and going out on like huge countrywide tours or like branded as hardcore bands but they're not really like it it's so trendy to try to co-opt that term yes. now yeah. because counterculture is the new is the new right. seeming counterculture is the new big pop yeah. culture trend. and so you can you can look at bands that you know may get branded with uh like the hardcore label but then you, there's like for every one of those bands there's another hundred bands that don't have a record deal that aren't getting like promo spots on like TV shows or on radios and they're not like depending on an agency to book shows for them like they're calling kids up in towns that they've never been to and like trying to get someone to secure like a church basement or a YMCA for them to play in and that like that in my mind like more than 
more than what the band actually sounds like. It's that hardcore ethic, like the the willingness to to go out and do it yourself, and like the that dependence on community. Like it is like such a strongly community driven thing that that it's not it's not really as identified by by the sound. Totally, yeah. So, Aaron, I'm curious. What was your first experience with hardcore music? Um, I think it was, it was probably Black Flag. Um, I don't, I actually don't know if like the community at large knows that I post as HMX Henry because of Henry Rollins. (laughs) Um, because when I started at Harmonix, there were already like three Aaron's working here. And so there was like an HMX Aaron registered on the, the forms already. Um, and uh and i had like i had just been rereading uh henry rollins get in the van and was like oh hmx henry that's that's good enough for me and i had actually just written my uh my bio for the the intranet um and uh like at at harmonics like everybody uh everybody on uh, at the company has a little bio on the intranet where you can go and see like oh eric pope like Grew up in Maine and then uh, went to school in Worcester and uh, likes, farts. He, uh, likes farts. This and is what he does. Wife. Yep. Yeah. Um, so that's like that's what that's what Pope's bio might say. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people like just make random stuff up. Um, Casey Malone, former designer, did not ever fill his bio out. So Dan Teasdale, also former designer, filled his bio out <laughs> for him, and it was something <laughs> the effect of like. Casey Malone was raised in a garbage pit by trash dogs, <laughs> and he went to jerk school trash where he graduated dogs. summa cum laude. Um, so, so like we we play things pretty fast and loose on the bios, and rather than write my own truthful factual bio, I wrote my bio as if I was Henry Rollins. And so it was like Aaron Trites grew up in Washington D.C. and worked at a Hagen Dazs with Ian Mackay, and then left eight at seventeen to go and sing for Black Flag. And that's clearly not my life story. Um, so far. So far. I mean, fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. According to your bio, most of this also took place before you were actually born. That's true. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was probably like Henry Rollins is probably responsible for a lot of the, the music that I listen to. Um, but, uh, again, a lot of it was informed by kids that I knew in high school or kids that I knew at college who were going to shows and um, people who would, you know, take me out or, like, lend me a CD. And um, and it's it was very, like, before the internet, um, before Napster, um, it was very much like, oh, man, I found this awesome 7-inch. Uh, you could only order it from this one label for this one, like, week-long window of time. Um <laughs> But, like, here, you should listen to it. It's awesome. And then you, like, you start searching out, like, oh, what other bands are on this label? Like, oh, what other bands does this band play with? And you just kind of, like, just grow from there. Cool. Um, so I thought uh, it'd be kind of cool. Why don't we uh, come up with a few bands that people should check out that, that you'd give as a recommendation if you are looking to... Because I know, like, Tommy from Rock Band Aid is constantly, like, I don't, I don't like punk music. Ah, like, the, how can you make that well, statement? Well, that's the thing. He, I don't think he knows enough of it because it's such a broad, mm-hmm. crazy broad mm-hmm. thing, especially nowadays. He's like, ah, oh, bad religion's okay. Um, so I <laughs> oh, think we should, we should take a role in educating people if they mm-hmm. want to check this out. We've mentioned Black Flag. That's probably an absolute must. 
yeah, check that's out. Absolutely essential listening. Essential um, listening. Either the first four years, which is a compilation of all the the uh, singles and uh, all the seven inches and, and a, a ten inch that they put out in the first four years as a band, um, and Damaged is the first full length that Henry Rollins sang on. Um, TV party people might know. Yeah, I also no, like I think slip it in as an album. What's that? Slip it in. Pretty much anything that Black Flag's done is like a guaranteed, guaranteed party starter. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like to recommend, I think you and I have both recommended a bunch of times in the forums that people download Everything Went Black from iTunes. Yes. Yes. Um, like it's, it's crazy that most of this stuff is becoming more and more available. Like, and that's awesome. Like that it's, it's more accessible now than it was before and. You know, there's stuff that was, like, only released on cassette um, <laughs> that you can, like, download pretty easily now. So, like, go out, search this stuff out. Like, please pay to download it because a lot mm-hmm. of these bands are, like, I mean, a lot of the bands that we've been talking about are older bands. But a lot of hardcore bands are, like, wholly dependent on people buying their music and their shirts and their merch, like, more so than other bands are because they are all, like completely self-sustaining and they live in vans and they sleep in parking lots um so please pay for things that you get from hardcore bands <laughs> cool um well i'd recommend dead kennedys uh for the reasons i already mentioned but uh, i always find them found for me the easiest to get into in terms of hardcore because, really yeah um because Jello Biafra has such a unique voice, like singing voice, I, I thought that like right away that distinguished it from like, quote unquote, your your typical hardcore or whatever. Um, but but just like the lyrics and um, some of the crazy stuff, which actually now that we're not owned by MTV, I can say one of my favorite songs of theirs, <laughs> MTV Get Off the Air. I heard that that might have been the first one of theirs I heard. Coming out swinging, poop. yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> Fight start. That's one of the first songs of theirs I heard. I was like, this is awesome. And it has like trumpets mm-hmm. <laughs> and like this weird like mock intro from a from a VJ. Um, so they're very much on like the almost the, like the satire side sometimes. Um, uh, so I definitely uh, recommend checking them out. Yeah, they're I like insanely smart, like absolutely like brilliant. Jello's voice is one of the more grating. <laughs> Uh, that you could find like I don't I don't know why I have no problem with like people screaming until they're hoarse <laughs> um, but sometimes like it took me a long time to get into the Dead Kennedys because so much of it is like that super warbly like, yeah. very distorted it's like a cartoon character mm-hmm. he is oh, 100% um, but yeah unbelievable Fresh Fruit for Rotting Vegetables is uh, an absolutely dynamite album yeah and we have several of their songs in games, so yes. people are probably more familiar true. with the Dead Kennedys than they are with uh, with some of the other bands that we're talking about. Yeah. Um, I had uh, I had recommended to you based on how much uh, I know that you like uh, like a lot of the Clash stuff um, and a lot of uh, like reggae and dub stuff. Uh, had recommended the Bad Brains. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, oh yes, I love Bad Brains. Who were like such an unbelievable anomaly in hardcore um they were they were older guys like uh like even in the early 80s um they were uh, a lot older than um some of the other like kids that were going to their shows um but that meant that they actually knew how to play their instruments like a lot of it was just like super fast and loose like 
didn't know how to play, you bought a like stupid broken down guitar and you would just like go out and pound on it and mm-hmm. that was your band. But like the dudes in the bad brands, like they were they were like all like heavy duty into Rastafarianism and they were um I believe I, I believe at least two or three of them were classically trained musicians. Mm-hmm. Um and uh and they would play in like reggae bands and stuff. And then they were like, you know what? We are not going to do that anymore. We are going to play the fastest hardcore songs we possibly can. Um, But there's also, like, a huge element of, like, reggae influence there. Like, Mm -hmm. they would do, like, four or five, like, ripping songs. And then there's, like, a four-minute dub jam. And it's just, like, (laughs) it's it's crazy. It's crazy that you can, like, mix those two together. Um, Yeah. But they would like they would go out and like watching old videos of them. Like I think there's a, a a DVD of like a show that they did in '81 or something at CBGBs. Oh, cool! And it's like kind of like mellow, like the 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 dub jam, and uh, and then like the lead singer like starts doing backflips and <laughs> will just like jump out into the crowd. Um, and he cites orange juice um, and PMA or positive mental attitude uh, as the things that motivated him and fueled him the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their song "Fearless Vampire Killer." Yeah, <laughs> awesome title alone. Yeah, I was sold. Yeah, um, "Rock for Light" is uh, is one of my favorite hardcore albums, um, and it was. Produced by uh, Rick Ocasek of the Cars, really? Uh, of all people, wow! Um, I have no idea like how that <laughs> happened, but that was like one of the few fleeting brushes <laughs> with a uh, like not like corporate rock music, but yeah. that's like about as close as early hardcore gets to like scraping radio friendly. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, Thrasher, what what do you what do you have? I, you like some of the more modern stuff, don't you? Yeah, I'm going through my brain trying to think of what I should actually recommend on the podcast. Um, that's why I keep making faces over here. I'm mentally Rolodexing right they now. They can't hear the faces. <laughs> no, they can't, but they they can imagine. Okay. Um, the faces, Rod Stewart's first band <laughs> in the 60s. Um, I would def- Well, I'm always going to recommend Minor Threat because they were so important to me for a big chunk of my life. Even though I'm not straight edge now, I was when I was a kid, and that was such a huge. You thing. are the opposite of straight edge. I am. The, You're yeah. Five needles in your arm right now. <laughs> I'm also drunk. I'm here. drunk right now. <laughs> Bloody nose. Uh, yeah. Oh God. Um, <laughs> I well, I don't know if if they would typically fall into this, but I love the band Born Against. And I recommend recommend them quite often to kids on the forums. Um, and then this is may, might be a controversial recommendation, Uh-oh. but one of my earliest sort of like memories of encountering hardcore music is being sort of wee and uh, my uh, much older cousin JP, who's sort of like my big brother. He's like 15 years older than me. Um, when I was a little kid, I thought he was the raddest dude I'd ever seen because he had like a mohawk and all these tattoos. It was like the 80s, and it didn't make sense. And I remember sometime in my life, maybe it was when I was in high school or something, him putting on a bunch of records at my aunt's house and playing like, I think he was playing like Sick of It All and he played Cro-Mags and like all this crazy, crazy stuff. And then as an adult, when I was in the 20s, when I was in my 20s, I... In the wrong 20s. (laughs) In the wrong 20s. (laughs) I remember remember dragging uh, some people here from work who weren't into like punk or hardcore music to see like a sick of it all kind of like 
reunionish show mm. and me being like totally stoked and them all just sort of being like uh <laughs> that that is the the best uh <laughs> the best possible way to get into hardcore bands though by going to shows um like the the energy is is ridiculous because like you were like you were saying earlier pope like it is so immediate and so accessible mm-hmm. like um it's it's not something that you're you're not going to see a hardcore show at like a big stadium um or even like most of the times an established club or venue um i've probably spent more time in vfw's and american legion halls than most veterans have um, <laughs> and it's like or the basement of the Cantab every once in a while yeah. has hardcore bands, yeah. which I think the Cantab doesn't realize when they book them. No, and a lot <laughs> and a lot of places don't know when they book them. Um, but it's usually like five bands. The bill could be five dollars to get into the door, or like to get into the the basement of this church, or the YMCA, or even the YWCA right next door used to used to put hardcore shows up every once in a while. Good job, women. Good yeah. job, women. The um, International Community Church in Alston. Uh, the ICC. Yeah. I lived right down the street from the ICC uh, for the year that I lived in Alston, and it was the best venue I've ever been to. Um, and would like know one band that was playing sometimes, and would go and would stick around for the other five or six bands. And it's like, it is so much more immediate than any other possible show that I've ever been to. Um, like I went and saw Metallica when I was in high school and that was, and that was cool. Um, because it was like big and huge and there was a lot of pyro. Um, (laughs) but I was like one of 75,000 people there seeing Metallica. And I was like a half a mile away. Um, but like you can go to a hardcore show and like get up on stage or like jump off if you want, but like you can get right up front, you can sing along. Like I've got I've got live CDs for hardcore bands where I can hear myself singing on the CD, or like I've seen photos of myself on like an LP jacket, and it's like that's crazy <laughs> that it's so immediately accessible that you just like as a viewer, as a participant, can just like wander up like get as close to the band as you want to you can go and meet them after the show like they usually like sell their own merch or like hang out like and they're just like they're usually just kids or like just people that are mm-hmm. playing music in these dingy basements because they love it and they get a charge out of it oh speak this just came to mind it's barely on on topic but um i have not seen very many hardcore shows because where i grew up there's no shows period like I didn't see live music until I got to college in Massachusetts, uh, which sucked. <laughs> um, so I'm still very much in like the discovery phase of my life where I'm finding new... St- I mean, every- I think everyone finds new stuff they like all the mm-hmm. time, but like I'm still figuring out like entire genres that I like. Um, so I haven't really seen very many hardcore shows. Um, but the most surprising one I did see, uh, it was a great bill. It was a Reverend Horton Heat show, and opening for him was Hank Williams III, the grandson of Hank Williams, the son of Hank Williams Jr. Are you ready for some football? <laughs> Pretty hardcore so far. Um, and he's up there playing country music as expected. Uh, has a really crazy looking uh, bass player, though, uh, who mm-hmm. looks like this insane, like, psycho killer. Um, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was in the legendary Shack Shakers, who's in a great, like, crazy psycho Billy band. Um, but it was straight up country music. I'm like, 
this is cool. This is what I expected, but I like it. Some of it's really fast paced and a little like harder edge because like that's Hank Williams, Hank, Hank the Third's thing. Uh, his band finishes, uh, and then he comes back out with a second band uh, called Ass Jack, uh, <laughs> and they did a straight up hardcore set um, for for about a half an hour, and it was awesome. Uh, and it, I, I, I looked it up later and apparently actually, uh, Jason Kendall, who we work with knows him and he was saying that, um, he has a really hard time booking shows because he demands that both his bands play on the bill. <laughs> so he demands that both his country band and his hardcore core band get to play, uh, which makes for a really crazy That's show because so cool. I don't hate country music and he de- definitely does like the classic Hank Williams style. So like that itself is entertaining, but then like straight up hardcore, he has like a second guy who sings with him is like. You know, like the the sleeveless vest and like in your face. Um, so that was just like a crazy experience. Uh, very much enjoyed it. That's very weird. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, we should uh, move on to news and DLC and stuff like that. But okay. this was a good conversation. No, I had fun. Yeah. We should continue this conversation on the forums. I think yes. people should keep soliciting recommendations from Aaron. And Aaron, is our website up right now? Uh, probably not. Oh, okay. It's it only works. Check back in a little. It only bit. works when I'm wildly intoxicated. We realized. <laughs> um, we are uh, in in the hardcore spirit. We are veering in a more <laughs> DIY direction. So instead of uh, uh, a website that is accessible to everybody, it's all going to be like a hand printed flyer yes. uh, that mm-hmm. you have We're to mailing those out. Yep. yep. Um, so like, Staple send a self addressed stamp noise. envelope uh, to us, <laughs> and we'll give you a hand screened <laughs> rock band patch. Um, <laughs> And a catalog of future releases. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. So let's do the DLC announcement. Um, what do we have, Thresher? So um, as leaked by monkeys, we <laughs> just came out with a Linkin Park six-pack. That Not the, hardcore. <laughs> not, not hardcore. <laughs> Switching gears wildly. Sigh. Um, <laughs> it featured... Great band. Uh, Sorry, Linkin Park. No, they're... Oh, got shocked. <laughs> God. And so you get Sorry, uh, crawling in the end, numb, somewhere I belong, waiting for the end and what I've done. All of these tracks feature keys and in the end and what I've done both feature pro guitar and bass upgrades. Cool. And then after that, what's coming out, um, what we're announcing today as the podcast airs is a Stone Sour 3 pack. And that includes Made of Scars, Say You'll Haunt Me, okay. and Through Glass. And um, Say You'll Haunt Me and Through Glass both have keys, and Say You'll Haunt Me has a pro guitar and bass upgrade. Fancy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's the deal with that band? You know them, right? Stone Sour. Intimately. You're good friends with We're them. We're BFFs. right? Yeah. Oh, all-time favorite. <laughs> Play the, wear the CDs out. Um, wear the CDs. <laughs> That's how hard she listens to them. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> Because I use them as coasters. All right. Um, so this this band features Corey Taylor, who people uh, may or may not know is from the band Slipknot. Right. So if you want to see him not wearing a mask and with people not dressed up as clowns, mm. you go see this band. Similar style music? A little little different. Um, you know, unlike Slipknot, there aren't like 25 drum sets on stage. And there 25 are drum sets. fewer people in the band. And there are no clowns, which is, again, of key importance. Um, <laughs> Will we be selling a clown upgrade at a later date? No, clou- no clown <laughs> upgrades. Clown no clown grades. <laughs> um, uh. But, yeah, uh, the, 
these guys have have released a couple of albums, and um, they've been nominated for a couple of Grammys in the early 2000s. So good, good for them. For you, Stone Sour. Yeah, I think both them and Lincoln Park will find a an audience with our uh, fans, mm-hmm. especially our German fans. Yes. Yes. Ooh, they like the Slipknot in Germany. They love the Slipknot, but I'll be curious to see if if German fans uh, like Stone Sour as much as they like Slipknot. Hmm. Um, interesting fun fact about Linkin Park. Uh, when I was in college, uh, I went to a really sort of weird, nerdy college full of lots of bros. And one of the coolest things on campus was our all-dude acapella group who did an arrangement of Linkin Park's In the End wow. that got Linkin Park to send them money and a letter because someone sent them like a YouTube clip of the what? dude singing it. And Linkin Park thought it was like... As they put it, the greatest acapella of one cover of one of our songs ever. Wow! And then another dude I knew paid to have those guys sing that song at his wedding, oh. which to me makes no sense. That is not a wedding song. I don't want to go to that wedding. <sighs> nope, me neither. I don't like weddings in general. No wedding. Well, that's a, that's a whole separate podcast. <laughs> the weddings are the Valentine's worst. Day. Yeah. <laughs> My uh, big fat rock band wedding, <laughs> episode thirty-five. Ah, um, yes. it's it's not it's not new DLC, uh, but in the interest of uh, discussing hardcore, uh, figured it's worth mentioning that we have DLC available from uh, the Dead Kennedys mm-hmm. uh, and from Bad Religion, mm-hmm. um, and we have uh, several Rock Band Network tracks uh, by some mm-hmm. current awesome hardcore bands. Yep, um, Terror uh, put out a track recently. Um, Converge, the Red Chord. Uh, and Polar Bear Club, um, who mm-hmm. we also interviewed, mm-hmm. and I believe Pope just finished that interview yes. up, should have uh, that up soon. And that kind of like, that runs the gamut from like, Polar Bear Club is more poppy and melodic, and Converge and the Red Chord are a lot more metallic and aggressive, and Terror is kind of like New York style, like tough guy hardcore, so covering the spectrum. Do you know where I'm from in Maine, there was an actual Polar Bear Club? Yeah. Where they go swimming in the, the frozen lakes? Were you part of it? Nope. It's a stupid thing to do. <laughs> why would you do that? Wow. You get hypothermia. Yeah, but it's fun. Keeps mm. you young. You do it once. I don't think that's true. I don't think it... I think you need to do something like that once in your life. I mean, we'd always dare each other when the ice went away, who would be the first to go swimming of the year. You see, statistically, um, people in polar bear clubs live on average 12 years longer than people that don't. You're making that statistic up. No. Uh, <laughs> 87% of all statistics are made up. <laughs> No, that's all. That is all a hundred percent true. Huh. All right. Yep. I read it online. Really? No. On Wikipedia? <laughs> no. no. That should not be a credible, credible reference source. <laughs> I read it online. Oh, oh okay. it must be true. The oh. internet tells me. <laughs> Don't even need to tell me where. I believe you. Uh, the internet tells us a lot of things. Well, um, news. Any other news? Uh... Uh, uh, we got sold. Yeah. Olive Garden, um, yeah. hardcore DLC. I got a haircut too. Oh, yeah. Um, haircuts. Uh, it's 2011. Um, the world is ending. Yeah, the birds falling out of the sky. That's weird. Yep. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Though I suppose in the end, it doesn't really matter. Nope. I'm not. I'm numb for it. Yeah. I'm Nick waiting for the end. One. <laughs> no. Just keep shaking your head, Pope. You're fired. <laughs> I prefer in the end the love we take is equal to the love we make. Oh, is that true? 
Yeah, Paul McCartney said it. So <laughs> on the internet. So oh, oh. <laughs> I read oh, on the oh. internet. Paul McCartney said something about love. <laughs> All right. Well, good. Good podcast, guys. Um, join us next time for yep. another episode. <laughs> it's Happy about New Year. Ready? No. 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 Ah. <laughs> Shocking. Oh, God. Uh, okay, bye. Goodbye. Thank you. Yeah.